Hi, everybody, and welcome to Pastors Coffee and Conversation, um, a conversation with the pastors of St. Paul's United Methodist Church in Carolina Beach, North Carolina, uh, that is fueled by caffeine and hopefully led by the Holy Spirit. Uh, I'm Sean Blackwelder. I am the lead pastor here at St. Paul's. And I'm Gail Tabor, and I am the director of church planting and outreach here at St. Paul's. And uh, welcome to this conversation. And today we are talking about... We're talking about the church and are we made for the church or is the church made for us? And I think that it's one of those things that we sometimes get confused in our head or uh, maybe, uh, maybe at varying times it oscillates between those two things. That sometimes the church is for us and sometimes we are for the church. Yeah. Maybe yeah. not. As I, it, I think when I hear that question, um, it is uh, the church for me or am I for the church? Uh, uh, like you've said before, I think the answer to that question is yes. Uh, too often we fall into a, a false duality on so many things. It's either this or that, and that's how it has to be. Uh, but, uh, but to be honest, one of the reasons we have conversations like this instead of just publishing a statement is because some of these things involve nuance. Uh, they involve uh, particularities and context that can't be stated in a black or white answer to a, a question. And I feel like so much of theology, so much of, of who we are as people um, in all aspects of our lives rarely fall into that black and white. We rarely end up in the absolute of one side or the other, but there's some nuance to this middle ground uh, where we uh, have to figure out where we are. And I think that there are people, when we ask this question, is the church for me or am I for the church, would immediately answer, as I would, I am for the church, right? And yet, when I think about it, and I really um, dig deep in, in who I am, sometimes I, I want the church to be for me. Um, I want the style of worship that I want. I want to hold a hymnal, and I want to sing hymns, and I want a piano or an organ, and I want a choir, and I, this is what I want. And, and when I start to uh, see that as so important to what church is, then I am making church for me mm -hmm. as opposed to me for the church. And, um, and I think that is a nuance that I have to own. Yeah. And um, it's a nuance that when, once I own that and once I recognize that in myself and I think of being for the church, me being for the church and wanting the church to grow and wanting new people to come and wanting to reach outside of uh, what maybe we have here at St. Paul's and how do I draw new people to that, then maybe I have to give up this church for me and look at how am I for the church. That's a, that's a big struggle for me, and so I'll, I'll, I'm just going to name it and lay it on the table because I struggle in that, y'all. Struggle really hard. I think we all struggle with that, and, and the reason is because there, there, there's not an easy answer uh, for that. You know, far too many ch churches, I think, have a, a sign out front that says, all are welcome. 
And there should be an asterisk by that because so many of those churches mean all are welcome as long as you want to be just like us. In other words, we do not want to uh, change anything in order to accommodate somebody new. We don't want to change uh, anything about how we go about things. Uh, And what happens in cases like that is churches fail uh, to fully embrace the people that God brings to them and, and, and the gifts uh, that God may have given to these people that can be put to use if the church is willing to make adjustments in how it does things. Um, one of the ways as a pastor, as somebody who often chooses the hymns and the prayers and what's going to be in the worship service, where I run into this is is music. Huh. Uh, you mentioned hymns. Preach it. <laughs> <laughs> and I grew up in a church that sung hymns out of a hymnal. And then when I was a teenager, also started to do some praise courses and things like that, but were also in a hymnal. Mm. Uh, so I always sang out of a hymnal, and that's what I love. Yeah. Um, in fact, I'm wearing my, my Beer and Hymns sweatshirt today, and um, we don't sing praise courses at Beer and Hymns. No. Um, Traditional hymns, um, I tell people, are the songs of our culture in the American South. And even if you think you don't know a lot of these hymns, you know a lot more of them than you think you do. And so for a lot of us, especially those of us who who grew up in particular church traditions, traditional hymns are are great. They're wonderful. They they feed our souls in ways that contemporary music does not. But... And especially now, because we've had more than a whole generation now who has grown up with uh, contemporary or or modern or postmodern worship, uh, because contemporary is sort of an old term now. But you've had people who've grown up going to churches where they've never, I, I mean, not even once used a hymnal. You have Christians who have grown up in traditions where they have never sat in a pew or recited a prayer in unison, or had anyone but uh, the pastor or part of the pastoral staff take a leadership role in, in worship. And so, uh, so traditional worship is kind of foreign to them. So a lot of times uh, I have people say, well, you know, that service has the music that they like, and this service has the music that they like. Uh, that helps to feed their soul. And that's good. But the question that often is not asked is, okay, but what music are we, are we singing for the people who are not yet part of our church that we want to be? For the people who are not here. Um, and it, when I ask that question, I often have people look at me as if I'm speaking a foreign language. <laughs> well, and, and I will say that um, I am not a fan of choruses generally. And yet, if you go back several years um, to the old choruses that remind me of my youth and camp, and you pull those out of the archives, and you sing those on a Sunday, like that touches my heart in a way that you know, it takes me, it transports me right back to being by a campfire and the people that I held dear and that I uh, did a lot of spiritual development with in my youth. 
And so there's something to be said for how that makes you feel. And I think that a lot of what we end up with when we talk about is the church for me or am I for the church is how does it make us feel? And I, I struggle in that question as well Mm -hmm. because I am one who believes that emotion has a place in worship. Emotion has a place in my theology, but my theology is not driven by emotion only. Right. And I think that a lot of times because we can have an emotional response to worship, to our relationship with God, to things that happen in the church setting, that we can get to the point where we become addicted to the emotion. And we try to make this emotional thing happen in every worship setting. And I think that's unrealistic. And I think that our theology, our our understanding of God and our having God come along with us and be beside us is an emotion and an emotional reaction, but a, uh, a thing that is rooted more in an understanding of God and in some intellectual understanding of who God is and how God works in the world. Yeah. And I think of a lot of what you see in, worship wars today or or really in worship preferences is shaped a lot by the emotional experiences and and um and what it is 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 i think that people get tied to the the things that have most helped them to experience god in a real and powerful way and so i i think sometimes we've we've tried to play too much to that uh there is a role for that uh, but going back into our, our Methodist history, uh, Methodism very early on met in small groups during the week, but then uh, met for worship on Sunday. And it was typically what we would think of as liturgical worship, very traditional worship where uh, communion was celebrated every single worship service. Um, so it looked much more like what we might think of as Episcopal Church, uh, Church of England, uh, because that's where Methodism came out of. But as Methodism grew, especially in the United States, when it grew along the frontier, a lot of it grew because of uh, camp meetings and revivals. And so these were very powerful, emotional uh, worship experiences for people. And sometimes they weren't just one day because people had to travel to get to the places where they had them and they'd have a very dynamic preacher uh preaching to people and calling them to uh to a new life of uh, of repentance and and personal holiness um and and after a while um because these people went back to their communities and they perhaps did not have an ordained pastor to serve them they said well we want to make our worship services like that. So they took what was a traditional Sunday worship service and turned it into what we call a revival style, mm-hmm. uh, which honestly was what I grew up with in Southern Baptist Church, where every single worship service ended with an altar call, yep. trying to get somebody to come forward, make a profession of faith in Christ. And there are certainly times and places for that, but uh, like I say, those preferences for those experiences 
shaped what people thought worship should be. Well, and I think that in, in this discussion, and we've kind of jumped right into worship and, and looked at, at worship as like, what, what are our preferences? And, but there's, there's, there's a bigger question than just worship. Yes. So, um, some, and, and I hear it uh, fairly often, and I will admit to having thought it at some point in time, which is, what is the church doing for me? You know, what, so what are you doing for me? Um, and how are you feeding me? And, uh, I think that's a big question that comes up uh, as uh, for probably for all of us, as we walk through our Christian faith, as we walk through this journey, uh, with God and with others is there comes a point in time when, when we're like, how are you taking care of me? How are you feeding me? How are you uh, loving me? How are you, what, what program have you set up for me lately? You're right. always just looking out there and trying to get those people in. What are you doing for me and my family? Yeah. And and I think when we take on that attitude, uh, when we take on that uh, mantle of who we are, we are saying, I am a consumer of uh. Christianity. And all, my whole role is to come and consume. And I think even in that, we Americanize that, and maybe that's not even Americanization. Maybe it is that uh, as a consumer, we feel like I put my money in the offering plate, and I'm supposed to get something back. So I paid, now now give me. And that is a very consumerist idea of yeah. what church is and who we are in relationship to church and therefore, who we are in relationship to God. Yeah, it's an experience that's shaped far more by capitalism mm-hmm. than it is by the uh, the dynamics of uh, the spirit at work through the traditions of the church. You know, in fact, I mean, if you think it's not capitalism, listen to people talk about church shopping. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're shopping. They're shopping for the greatest value. Uh, for themselves, um, you often uh, find that we're looking for a church that can feed us. My last church just didn't feed me, mm-hmm. um, and um, and sometimes that can be a negative thing. If you're only looking for a church that can do for you, um, you know something's wrong there. You're asking the wrong questions, right? You're seeking the wrong thing. However, um, it's also important that. In some way, your church does feed you because um, if we're being faithful as a church, we are asking you to do hard things. And we know this is a basic biological fact about us. If we're going to do something hard, we need nourishment, mm-hmm. right? So your church does need need to feed you. The, the people who are participating in the church uh, do need to be fed because they're being asked to carry out the work of the body of Christ. Yeah. Now, the problem comes when, and, and St. Paul made a reference to this in some of his letters, when people just like that spiritual milk, right? Uh, when they don't grow and they mature and they just want to keep getting bottle fed mm-hmm. instead of learning how to perhaps feed themselves. You know, like a toddler picking up a spoon 
digging into that baby food for the first time or or perhaps when a kid picks up a, a chicken leg for the first time and is able to gnaw on that um at some point you need to get to the meat right you need to get to the things that are really going to make you strong in, in order to be the person god has called you to be so that you can be for the church um what God has called you to be so that the church can be for the world, what God has called us to be, right? So there is a role uh, for the church feeding you, uh, but there is also a, a role for you beginning to take some, some part in feeding yourself as well. I think that's sometimes hard um, to oh, yeah. feed yourself. I mean, mm -hmm. I think that that is really the crux of a Christian journey is is moving from um, I have someone who's holding the bottle for me and all I have to do is just show up and the bottle is there and it's popped into my mouth and I just have to like suck the milk out of the bottle um, to the point that and you think of a baby's progression you know now I'm able to hold the bottle myself I'm still just getting milk and it's still a pretty easy thing but I'm now old, old enough and, and, and advanced enough to hold the bottle myself. And then, as you said, you move into baby food. And then you move into, you know, picking up that chicken leg for the first time. And who, who among us doesn't like to pick up the chicken leg, you know? Um, you know, good fried chicken is, is a really, you know, that's a real thing. And so, like, but it's a progression. And you don't take a baby and give them a, a, a good uh, steak, you know, doesn't matter how good the steak is. It's not the first thing you're going to give to a baby. Neither are you going to take someone who is fully matured and expect that they still are, are, are taking a bottle and just drinking milk. Yeah. Uh, no matter how good and how nourishing that milk is. At some point in time, um, I think in the medical field, they call it failure to thrive. You know, the, and I think that too often as Christians, we don't progress um, to where we need to be where we are we need to be is probably a poor term because it's a different progression for everyone but we are all moving forward and too often we just want to drink the milk um, mm. and have the easy part for us right and and while your individual spiritual growth is a part of this um, you being nourished by the, the spiritual life of the church, at the church in which you participate, the end goal isn't just to feed your soul. Um, that, that is part of the process of that. But if you look in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, Paul's talking uh, ab about how Christ uh, uh, came down to earth and went up to heaven so that he might fill the people with everything, so that we might be nourished. And he says uh, some... Uh, we're made to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pat pastors and teachers, not just for them to fulfill these roles. And he goes on to say his purpose was to equip God's people for the work of serving and building up the body of Christ. So the end goal isn't just to build you up, but so you as part of the body uh, might help the body be built up. Um, and you also have to remember that that doesn't look the same for everybody. Different people have different gifts and their spiritual journey 
is probably going to look different from yours. But that doesn't mean we can't somehow work together and incorporate all those gifts into what we are doing so that, um, um, uh, so that we can carry out what God has called us to do. Uh, I, I think back to uh, the prayer of thanksgiving after communion, um, and which we say, we thank you for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us, in which you know, we have been, been fed by your grace. Uh, help us to go forth as those who give themselves for the world, right? Um, nourished by God's grace, God who gave himself to us in Jesus Christ, we go forth in Christ's name to give ourselves for others. There are ways to get plugged in, y'all. There are. There, there are a number of ways that you can get plugged in here at St. Paul's, um, ways that you can do work in the community around us um, as a part of our church community, um, the ways that you can delve deeper into a spiritual journey, uh, into your relationship with God, um, so that you are feeding your soul that way. Um, we have a lot of ways to do that, from Sunday school classes to Bible studies that go on to um, to our, our United Methodist men who do service service type things, cooking Boston butts and and doing service to our, our women's group, um, our United Methodist women who who do service things with our schools. Well, mm -hmm. on the go ministry, we have a long list of things that you can get involved in to be a part of. Uh, this growing community and to deepen your relationship with God and with others here in this place. And so we invite you to, to go to our website, check it out, see what all is there, um, see how you would like to be plugged in, uh, reach out to, to either of us, um, pastor at stpaulscb.org, ministry at stpaulscb.org for either of us to send us an email. Um, and let us know how you want to be plugged in, or maybe you don't know how you want to be plugged in, and how you can uh, not only be a part of how the church is for you, but how you are for the church and how you are a part of God's emerging community. Yes, very much so. Thanks for taking the time to listen today, and uh, we hope that uh, you'll uh, continue this conversation with us uh, in the days and weeks to come. See y'all soon.